Welcome to Interesting Times. I'm Joe Streckert. Pop culture seems to be getting a bit better in how it portrays the Middle Ages. For example, we now call them the Middle Ages. Uh, when I was growing up in the 1980s and 90s, it was still common to hear the term Dark Ages, not necessarily from historians and academics, but in popular media and in casual conversation. The use of that term, Dark Ages, seems to have receded a bit. More and more, most people, I think, realize that the Middle Ages were not, in fact, an era of primitivism, backwardness, dirt farming, or mud huts. The Middle Ages probably would not have been comfortable for a modern person. I like having indoor plumbing, for example. But they seem to not have been an out-and-out barbaric hellscape. There are images, though. There are tropes that people associate with the Middle Ages. Things like warfare, things like raids, things like daily violence and chaos, and torture. Imagine a medieval torture chamber. Imagine prisoners chained to walls. Imagine the rack and the Catherine wheel. And towering over it all, the most feared of all the torture devices, is the dreaded Iron Maiden. That machine which gives its name to a pretty good English rock band, acts as a visual signifier for the supposed barbarism of the Dark Ages. And fittingly, it was also probably a hoax. The Iron Maiden, to the best of our knowledge, didn't originate in the period between the fall of the Roman Empire and the Renaissance. Instead, it probably arose in the very late 1700s in Germany. As far as we know, the person who has credit and blame for the invention of the Iron Maiden is a philosopher and academic named Johann Philipp Siebenkies, and I'm probably mispronouncing his name because I am not a German speaker. Siebenkies, he, it seems, cobbled together a torture device and wrote a narrative about a coiner, or rather a coin forger, who in 1515 was executed by a casket that had various spikes in it that pierced his lungs, his groin, his neck, etc., slowly and painfully. And that seems like a pretty extreme punishment for counterfeiting, if you ask me. A jail time, slap on the wrist, fine, that sort of thing seems more appropriate. But the most famous Iron Maiden, the one associated with Sibenkis, it lived in Nuremberg, Germany for a while, at a castle, where it horrified the people who looked at it. But it seems to go back only to 1793. That famous Iron Maiden, by the way, was destroyed by bombing during World War II in 1944. There's a replica of it, though. And today, the Museum of Schloss Kyberg has the replica of the Nuremberg Iron Maiden. And the museum that houses this replica does not represent it as something from the Middle Ages. Instead, the museum cops to the fact that it was something from the 1700s and 1800s that was made to scare people, essentially, horrify them, and remind them of this supposedly barbarous medieval time. This is some copy from the museum's website about the machine. It says, quote, that the Iron Maiden was... Installed in order to attract visitors to the castle, that's the castle at Nuremberg, it was also invented to convey the somber mood of the Middle Ages. The copy goes on. 
In fact, the Iron Maiden was never used to torture nor to kill somebody at these times. She was invented in the 19th century in order to furnish horrible torture chambers and castles around Europe when they were no longer used for the investigation of crimes but to horrify visitors. And I kind of like this idea, I've got to admit, as much as I want people to know the real true nature of things because I'm a gigantic pedant, I also kind of like the idea of hucksters and showmen charging people two bits of gander for torture devices from the Middle Ages that they just made up. But think about this. If the Iron Maiden was a real, actual thing, then it would be impractical. Each one would have to take into account variables like the torturee's height and girth, because all people are different. Even people getting tortured were all different. And each one would have to be customized for the wearer, so to speak, so that their head fit into the head part and their body fit into the body part. And I seriously doubt that anyone has ever invented specific bespoke torture devices. And also it was supposedly called an Iron Maiden because the original had an image of the Virgin Mary on the outside. So getting put inside the Iron Maiden was supposedly like getting hugged to death by Jesus's mom in a bit of cruel, nasty irony. It's the type of cruel, nasty irony that might not have been at play in an actual torture execution chamber, but that kind of irony could work well in the context of a tour or a show with some kind of huckster showing you quote-unquote historical torture devices. So we have references in the very late 1700s and the 1800s, and another major reference for the Iron Maiden was in November 1863 in the New York Times. This article was all about a traveling show of supposed medieval torture devices and the horrific nature thereof. The article from the New York Times reads, quote, Thousands of persons have gazed upon these relics of a semi-barbarous age. All instruments in the collection have been in actual use. There are over 1,300 exhibits, included in which is a series of engravings illustrating the manner of applying the tortures. One of the most interesting objects in the collection is a justly celebrated Iron Maiden. Unquote. By the way, I am amazed that that right there is journalism. That reads like promotional copy for the show, as opposed to anything that a responsible reporter would be writing about. And I wonder, all instruments in the collection have been in actual use? I doubt that. Well, obviously, because the Iron Maiden wasn't real, it seems that the standards of copy editing and fact-checking were a bit more lax in 1863 than they are now. So we have written references from the 17 and 1800s, but nothing before that. If the Iron Maiden was real, then there would probably be written references to it. People would have written about it, described it, it would be in woodcuts, it could be in illuminations, it could be in paintings... It could be in all kinds of different sorts of medieval or Renaissance art, but we don't have any of that. And it's very hard to prove a negative. I cannot definitively say that the Iron Maiden never actually existed. I can only say that the probability of it existing is very close to zero. However, a few things, like the Iron Maiden, supposedly did maybe exist. Polybius, for example, that's the historian not the mythical video game, did talk about something that sort of resembles the Iron Maiden in his histories. 
He has this account of Nabis, whom he identifies as a particularly brutal Spartan tyrant, using a grim machine resembling a woman to punish Spartans who refused to pay taxes. Quoting Polybius, Nabis had constructed a kind of machine, Nabis's wife, if machine it may be called, which was the figure of a woman, clothed in costly garments, and made to resemble with extraordinary fidelity the wife of Nabis. Whenever, then, he summoned one of the citizens with a view of getting some money from him, he used first to employ a number of arguments, politely expressed, pointing out the danger in which the city stood from the threatening attitude of the Gaikians, and explaining what a number of mercenaries he had to support for their security, and the expenses which fell upon him for the maintenance of the national religion and the needs of the state. If the listeners gave in, he was satisfied. But if they ever refused to comply with his demand, he would say, Perhaps I cannot persuade you, but I think this lady, Apiga, will succeed in doing so. Apiga was the name of his wife. Immediately on saying these words, the figure I have described was brought in. As soon as the man offered his hand to the supposed lady to raise her from her seat, the figure threw its arms round him and began drawing him by degrees toward its breasts. Now its arms, hands, and breasts were full of iron spikes under its clothes. When the tyrant pressed his hands on the back of the figure, and then by means of the works dragged the man by degrees closer and closer to its breast, he forced him under this torture to say anything. A good number of men who refused his demands he destroyed in this way. Unquote. I don't quite buy this account from Polybius. Polybius, he worked from hearsay and secondhand accounts. He was also writing years later after these supposed events. And a contemporary historian would not consider how he did history, relying so much on hearsay, to be rigorous or thorough. Uh, his accounts are not corroborated by other writers, and no archaeological evidence has turned up something like the machine he describes. I would take his account of the Iron Arpiga with a big grain of salt. It might have a core of truth to it, but I'm a bit skeptical that that machine was ever actually that elaborate or deceptive. We've also got numerous other references, indeed in the Middle Ages, of people being forced to wear heavy metal clothing, that is, clothing made of heavy metal, not, you know, leather jackets with studs on them, or weights or barrels that were intended to cause shame or pain to the wearer. Some of these barrels of shame were barrels, and they would have nails sometimes driven through them while somebody was wearing them. And the impression I've gotten, though, is that most of the time these coats of shame, or barrels of shame, as they were called, they were primarily used for exactly that, to shame people and to cause injury. They don't seem to be as elaborate or as claustrophobic or as deadly or as dramatic as the Iron Maiden. So there seems to be pieces of the story that are around before the Iron Maiden, before it shows up in 1793 in Nuremberg, Germany, there seems to be the DNA of that machine floating around in the existing history, but the Iron Maiden seems to be an agglomeration of a lot of different ideas, not an actual thing that existed. But I need to end this show on something of a morbid note. I said we don't have any records of the Iron Maiden being used in the Middle Ages. But 
it is entirely possible that it has been used in modern times. According to a Time magazine article in 2003, Uday Hussein, Saddam Hussein's son, employed the Iron Maiden in what the magazine called his playground. Uday Hussein was, by many accounts that I've read, a sadistic psychopath who enjoyed torturing athletes, such as soccer players, who did not perform to his liking. Quoting Time magazine in 2003. On Saturday, however, Time found what may be the first tangible evidence pointing to torture in Uday's own backyard, the administrative compound of the Iraqi National Committee in central Baghdad. Hidden in a pile of dead leaves not 20 yards from the building, housing the Iraqi Football Association, was that must-have appliance of every medieval dungeon, an Iron Maiden. Now, come on, Time magazine, it's 2003. By this time, you should have known that it was not actually the must-have appliance of every medieval dungeon. Where was your fact-checker? But, quoting Time magazine again, quote, The one found in Baghdad was clearly worn from use, its nails having lost some of their sharpness. It lay on its side within views of Uday's first-floor offices in the Soccer Association. Ironically, the torture device was brought to Time's attention by a group of looters who had been stripping the compound of anything of value. They had left behind the Iron Maiden, believing it to be worthless. Unquote. I don't know whether Uday Hussein ever put people into the Iron Maiden or not. He probably did, and if he did, that's horrific. But even if he did, there are still myriad ways to hurt a human being. I think it's worth noting, talking about torture and torture devices in this episode, that torture doesn't have to be something that entails a dramatic or complicated or visually arresting machine. Torture can come from something that looks neither intimidating, nor dangerous, nor threatening. Torture can be being locked in an empty room without light. It can be simulated drowning that you do with just a towel or some water. It can be a subtle thing, like the denial of sleep. Or it can be isolation from other humans. Constructing a narrative where the Iron Maiden and torture devices like it, are relics of a barbarous age, implicitly also says that torture is the relic of a barbarous age. Torture, unfortunately, has not vanished from the world. We can't say that because there are no more racks, there are no more Catherine wheels, there are no more shackles, that human suffering is gone. There are still people in solitary cells and in dark rooms that suffer, and those cells and those rooms are, unfortunately, far more real than any Iron Maiden ever was. I would like to take some time to thank people who have supported Interesting Times on Patreon. For example, David Shargell. Thank you very much for your continued support. This is an entirely listener-supported podcast. We are ad-free. I work for you rather than advertisers. If you wish to become a supporter, go to interestingtimespodcast.com, click on Support IT on Patreon. Uh, please do also go to iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review that helps other people discover the show. I tweet at Joe Streckert. Uh, I'm on Tumblr, joestreckert.tumblr.com. We're also on Stitcher and Portland's own X-Ray FM on Thursdays at 9 and 9.30 and 11 and 11.30 during the Tom Hartman Show. Thank you guys very much. I'll see you next week.